Dr. Pat Crosgary, MD-PhD, is a professor in emergency medicine at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. He is the director of the Critical Thinking Program in the Division of Medical Education and Faculty of Medicine at Dalhousie University. He first trained as an experimental psychologist, and if you listen to the first episode with Dr. Crosgary, you know that he got interested in how abysmal statistical evaluation was in medicine, and that's part of the reason he came into medicine. And currently, he is really an expert in cognition and diagnostic error and patient safety as it applies to medicine and healthcare. He is really an amazing individual who is a very prolific writer. A link to his book, The Cognitive Autopsy, is important reading since there isn't really yet a curriculum in cognition and metacognition for most medical schools. The Cognitive Autopsy is a great introduction to some of the important concepts. Welcome to Pat. Thank you, Christine. So today, what I wanted to focus on is JDM bias which is, stands for Judgment and Decision-Making Bias, something that we're all prone to. This is a quote from his book, The Cognitive Autopsy. Physician failure varies between disciplines. In the visual specialties, so for dermatology, it's nice. Um, for dermatology, radiology, and anatomic pathology, it is approximately 1% or 2%, whereas in the more general specialties, such as family medicine, emergency medicine, and internal medicine, it is approximately 15%. You suggest that in visual specialties, there's less noise around the signal, meaning the diagnosis, whereas in general specialties, there is more You also have a quote that says, adaptive expertise appears to characterize those who have more highly developed metacognitive skills compared with routine experts. And I believe all doctors, we care about patients and we care about diagnosis, would all benefit us to have more highly developed metacognitive skills. In the previous episode, we did talk about metacognition. Can you sum up dual process theory briefly for those who didn't listen into that yet? In order to understand metacognition, which is really thinking about how you think, you need to have some working knowledge of dual process theory, which is that we do have two ways. System one actually is often impulsive, reflexive, autonomous, subconscious. We're not even aware that we're doing it. So I'd hardly describe it as thinking as we use the word generally. System two, which is analytical, this is the one that is deliberate follows the rules of science, takes much longer, but is more exacting and a lot of the time more accurate. Now, in order to understand metacognition, you have to use system two to understand what's going on in system one. So that's thinking about how you're making decisions. There is a way that we can modify the output from system one by observing it. We can train system two to recognize what system one does. And then as soon as you have an understanding of what it's doing, you can think of various strategies in which you can modify uh, system one. It's not easy. Metacognition really has a challenge to undo these biases, but there's a lot of work been done on it in the psychology literature. Certain sort of basics have emerged, you know, that you you simply cannot go in and just apply some simple um, manipulation that will undo the bias uh, in a reliable way. If you commit yourself to metacognition, to um, mitigating the impact of biases, then you have to really sign yourself up for a long haul. You've got a lot of work to do 
to maintain this. It's not a one-off procedure. It may require multiple interventions. It may require multiple different types of interventions to undo bias. But I think it can be done. First off, we do need to be aware of JDM bias. And then, of course, it sounds like it's a lifelong process to try to mitigate it. But can you address what JDM, what judgment and decision-making bias is? You have to distinguish it from racial bias. Racial bias is a lot of it, social. The bias is determined by the characteristics of the group that you associate with. JDM biases, they are just normal processes of the brain for managing information. So let's just take a, a common one. There is something called the availability bias. And it was first described about maybe uh, 40, 40, 45 years ago by Kahneman and Tversky. And all it means is that if something is very available to your mind, which is that you've seen it recently, or you've talked to somebody who's seen it recently, it's described as being available to your mind, and you are more likely to be influenced by it. Just as an example, take the pandemic. There was a case locally of a young man who developed a headache, a fever, and was feeling unwell. When he called a local hotline for COVID, he was advised that he should go to a primary assessment center and get tested for COVID. They did the test on him and sent him home and said, you know, we'll let you know. Later on that day, this guy got very sick and went to emergency. The short story is that he was eventually diagnosed with meningitis and and in particular meningococcemia. But because of this whole COVID specter, making COVID very available to everybody who saw this guy, they stuck with COVID just because it was available. It's a kind of gambling, a sort of risk-taking thing that you go with something that you're very common with, you're very familiar with, and availability does that. So uh, fortunately, he lived. But, but it was a close call. Can you name and explain several of the top biases in JDM bias that you think are, uh, affect doctors? In, in the book, we actually gave a list of the order in which uh, they tend to appear. But number one was anchoring. So there's nothing wrong with the anchor at the outset, but there is a failure to adjust this as you go along. Anchoring itself is not so much of a bias. A lady came into emergency and she was complaining of, of feeling very anxious and uh, short of breath. She was initially diagnosed with anxiety uh, and a kind of stress-related disorder. In actual fact, she had a pulmonary embolus, which is a blood clot that goes to the lungs and interferes with your breathing. What the physician who first saw her anchored onto the, the woman's disposition, you know, that she was very anxious, very um, sort of scared about what was happening to her. And this was, he assumed that she, this was making her breathe more faster. And then and then the breathing itself, if you breathe too quickly, can start to cause problems. So the anchoring to the initial symptoms, the shortness of breath, the anxiety and, uh, and the distress that the patient was in, if you were a bit more analytical at that stage will say, well, what else can cause um, this abrupt onset of shortness of breath and anxiety and such distress? And say, well, 
uh, it could be some process in, in the lungs. We are not saying that anchoring itself is a problem. The, the full name of the bias is actually called anchoring and adjustment. And the anchor is the first impression you get, which often in medicine is the correct interpretation, but you must be willing to adjust that anchor as soon as you gather more input, uh, more evidence and other things become clear. That's probably the most common JDM bias in medicine is anchoring and adjustment. Uh, anchoring and adjustment and availability and a few others are common. I also like that you explained anchoring and adjustment bias, the full name, because it's nice. It, it kind of does take away any negative impression maybe of that word bias because anchoring and adjustment, it sort of means that it's not bad necessarily to have these biases. They, they're part of the way our minds work and part of the decision-making process. We can't actually get rid of them. And maybe we don't want to because the anchoring, as you said, often is correct, but we just need to be able to, I'm imagining my mind like moving that anchor around and adjusting it. I have been trying to learn five to 10 biases solidly in my mind in terms of their name and kind of a brief description of them, sort of have a create a mental representation in my mind of what different biases are. And it's definitely a work in progress. If you recommend that people start it, I think obviously, so now we have anchoring and adjustment bias, and we have the availability bias. And we talked briefly last time about the search satisfying bias, where you look for something and once you find it, you're done. And maybe you're still missing, maybe you are prone then to miss something. Can you just name a couple others that you think might be good for people to start with? Another one that I see quite often that, that I, I worry about is uh, called the Fundamental Attribution Error, FAE. And this is the bias where you uh, tend to hold the patient responsible for what's happening to them. It's fairly common. Uh, it exists in other domains besides medicine. But, but let me give you an example of this and, and, and tell you about how uh, I describe it to medical students. I give them a little scenario. There's, there's, there's two little old men sitting on a park bench, and uh, this young fellow walks by and falls over. And one of the old men says, uh, did you see that clumsy fellow? Just tripped over his own feet and fell flat." And the other guy says, uh, well, actually, I know this guy. Um, He's, he's, uh, his mother has been uh, seriously ill and she died about three days ago. And, um, he went out and bought himself a, a, a suit, which he's never owned before. And he also bought himself a new pair of shoes to go to her funeral today. And if you, if you caught a glimpse of his uh, shoes when he fell over, you'll see that the soles are new and they're quite slippery. And if you look at the ground, somebody had spilt something on the ground, which which he slipped on and didn't have any traction from the new shoes and therefore fell over. Okay, so you have you have two people, each with a different interpretation of the event. The first one says, the guy is clumsy, that's why he fell. The second guy says, no, the reason he fell is due to all these circumstances that you're not aware of. You know. So so it's the error itself, fundamental attribution error is the tendency to blame the patient's disposition 
for their illness rather than the situation that they're in. So that's called fundamental attribution error. And psychiatric patients get it a lot. People who are obese get it a lot. I mean, same as addiction to drugs. And so we've covered the fundamental attribution error, search satisficing. Yeah, we talked about that. Anchoring and adjustment. Another one is ascertainment bias. Ascertainment is seeing what you expect to see. Now, this is a, this again may have some evolutionary origin. For example, if I'm a caveman and I say there's a freshly killed animal a mile from here to get to it before the hyena or something like that, this sort of warning each other and warning ourselves about what's coming, I think is, a, is perhaps a feature of our evolution. It can be very important to know what's coming. And, and we stress it a lot in our environment if the I, my phone occasionally goes off because the police have identified a, a, a hazard in the community. We, we, like to, we like to be warned of things. We like to know about what's coming. Uh, it, it helps us organize our thinking. But sometimes it can be extremely harmful because it sets people up. So, for example, if I'm working in an emergency department and a colleague says to me, I see you just signed up for uh, Mr. Smith. He's here all the time. We never find anything, and uh, he usually ends up getting sent on his way with a packet of antibiotics or something. But that that essentially, there's two biases there. One is framing. The first person is actually framing the second position, and that itself has problems. And because what the framing does is it sets up an expectation on the part of the recipient of the frame to look for something in particular, which tends to bias the way they see the problem. So two biases there, framing and ascertainment bias. But ascertainment bias is basically seeing what you're expecting to see. And it's easily done. You can easily set people up for it. Thank you very much for this nice journey through metacognition, dual process theory, and JDM bias. Of course, we could cover a lot more, but a whole curriculum really should be dedicated to this type of thing. Do you have any final thoughts? Medical students really tend to get put off when they hear about these because you do have to mention that if they go to Wikipedia and put in cognitive biases, they're going to find about 200. And I would say the 200 are for digestion by sociologists and social psychologists and people who are particularly interested in that area. But I would say to people, don't get, if you're in medicine or even if you're in other domains, don't get overwhelmed by the sheer number of them. They're just the brain's way of, of uh, being economical a lot of the time. Unfortunately, they also tend to be economical with the truth. So, so with medical students, I usually say, here's the top dozen I think you need to know. And if you do, then, then I think not only have you learned about those 12, but you've also learned a bit more about what to expect about how the brain can fail to represent reality to you. Thank you very much for spending time with me. I really appreciate all that you've said and done. My pleasure.